0: immersive audio podcast in conversations with industry thought leaders practitioners artists academics and entrepreneurs discussing all aspects of this rapidly evolving industry from art science and business to practical insights and project case studies we aim to inform educate explore and unite the community
1: hello and welcome to episode 60 of immersive audio podcast with me your host oliver cadell Monica Bowles and Bjorn Jacobson. Hello. Hello. Happy New Year, guys. Thank you. It's our first one in 2022. We're slightly behind the schedule due to um, some postponements, but it's good to be back. How have you been?
2: It's been cozy after New Year's and Christmas, but it's also nice to be back at work, so... I had some good time off, yeah. Uh,
3: I, holidays are always a funny time, but um, yeah, it was, it was a little bit chaotic for me. So I'm kind of getting back on, get getting my head back together and getting back into the flow of things.
1: I, for once, had a pretty chilled Christmas. Uh, usually I'm very busy just before and after. Um, uh, yeah, for a change, it was nice to switch off and it's been a lot more easier than usual several weeks And yeah, still easing into the swing of things in January, which is nice. Um, Had a chance to catch up with a lot of my PhD work, as you do. Uh, And uh, yeah, good to be back, as I said. And I'll kick off with uh, a few small announcements for us. We just launched our new website. Check out immersiveaudiopodcast.com if you have a moment. We've got uh, a few important things on there. Let me take you through it. So firstly, we have um, an entire back catalogue of all of our podcasts that were previously released with all the show notes and links and guest bios, et cetera, et cetera. And you can scroll down to all the way back to the beginning. Also, you have a contact page, which is really hard to miss now. So if you ever need to get in touch, would like to get in touch to suggest a guest or an idea or anything you want to talk about, give us some feedback. Go ahead and uh, do it through that page. What else? Um, A new feature is uh, we've got a newsletter subscription option which would be very convenient for you if you did subscribe because guess what? Um, Every now and then we're probably going to shoot you a newsletter, updating you on the latest podcast releases, maybe um, any announcements, new things that we've got planned ahead of the 2022. Easy way to stay in touch. And uh, we also have our partners page uh, with the uh, brands and partners who uh, want to collaborate with us and lastly we also have our patreon page where we've got uh, various options if you like the podcast um, i'd like you to check out our patreon page and um, if you do find any options relevant to you please check it out and uh, potentially subscribe all right guys it's it's been a few weeks since we had a chance to talk um beyond I, I i've been watching your Wise tutorials um, on YouTube. Um, tell us a little bit more. Yeah. So on my
2: YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Kujo sound, I was trying to create this. It's not a fake project, but more like trying to simply create an entire game in Wise and structure it as I would with any triple A game, but kind of like having everything ready for the game in Wise in a perfectly ordered manner. And then if there was a game that was to hook up to that, you should be able to do it straight out of the box. Um, simply as a way of showing, kind of like as a tutorial, but also just for the fun of it, to make a project where you can sort of see if if you're one step ahead of the pack, then you will kind of not be behind and super stressed once audio gets into post-production on a video game series. Um, kind of f- as a way to be able to produce and implement way before the game is even ready. Um, So I've been trying to create that YouTube series. It's been gaining a lot of traction lately, which of course I'm happy for, but I'm really happy with the feedback that we're getting about it because it apparently shows both newbies and professionals, how a wise project can be structured, but also how would a another professional be structuring it and how can you plan ahead? Because planning ahead in game audio is kind of crucial. Because else you're just gonna be swamped in crunch for the past, the past couple of months of a project, anyway.
1: Awesome, and um, I can definitely vouch for it. I've watched four so far, and I found it very useful. So if you guys are into interactive audio, um, audio for games, it's definitely an excellent resource to check out. Thanks, Bjorn. A couple of minor news from my side. Um, I'm about to start uh, a new teaching tenure at University of Huddersfield, uh, teaching audio for VR with a small group of uh, master students. Um, that's in addition to my um, current teaching commitments at University of West London. Maybe at some point I will come across with one of our listeners that way. Um, that has happened in the past. <laughs> um, another thing I wanted to mention... Um, we seem to be getting into the swing of things in terms of the conferences in person. And the first one worth mentioning is Audio for Virtual Reality and Augmented Reality Conference being organized by Audio Engineering Society, which will take place in the United States, Redmond, Washington State, uh, August 15, 17, 2022. Yeah, um, it's, it's going to be a while, but um, looks like we've got... um. Something to look forward to. Um, I mean, that's not the only conference on spatial audio. However, it's the one I'm keeping an eye on, potentially, with you to attend it. Our guest today, Ken Felton who's an audio director and sound designer with decades of experience in professional audio. Ken's current passion is in storytelling and immersive soundscapes. Ken started in Pro Audio by touring Northern America and running sound reinforcement systems. In 1994, he moved to Northern California and started working with Interactive Audio at Electronic Arts. Most recently, in 2021, Ken joined Spatial, where he works as a sound designer and a brand ambassador. Ken, welcome to the podcast.
4: Thank you, Oliver. Nice to be here.
1: Ken, um, tell us where you're tuning in from.
4: I am here in the Bay Area. I live, uh, I'm working remotely as most of the people in the world. Uh, I I live in uh, a city called Belmont, which is just about uh, halfway between San Francisco and San Jose in California.
1: Let's go all the way to the beginnings. And can you tell us about your background and how you got into working with spatial Audio?
4: Sure. Um, as you said in the, in the intro, I started long ago doing live sound. And then I uh, got into the music business, uh, did that, and then transitioned to traditional film television. This was all down in Los Angeles. Uh, and then in 94, I moved up to the Bay Area to get married. Um, and, uh, and the work that was up here in the Bay Area was game related. And I got very lucky. Uh, it's a long story, but I started working in electronic arts, as you said. Uh, worked with some really talented people. I came from the linear, you know, post-production world, and I had no clue about interactive audio, granular sound design, et cetera. And I worked, luck, luckily worked with some great people at EA, uh, the legendary Rob Hubbard, for one, Don Vecca, Mark Farley. Um, those guys, and they they taught me the the ropes. They kind of showed me how you how you do the, the game audio thing. And uh, so that was great. I was there for a long time. I went to Sony. PlayStation was there for a long time, managed a team, and, and did more sound design. Um, and then, what four and a half years ago, uh, Sony reorged, and, and I was out. And uh, did some cool contract work for a few years, uh, different places. VR tried to focus on VR, and uh, and then about a year ago, uh, an, an old colleague of mine um, told me about Spatial, uh, startup, and they were doing some exciting stuff. Uh, and so I talked to him and it worked out. And I've been there almost a year now.
1: Well, let's talk about your current role Spatial. So to start with, what the technology is about?
4: The technology is about, is about creating sonic experiences in a space um, that is not based on a sweet spot. Now, this is my, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. It's not based on a sweet spot as opposed to, you know, so many other formats and situations where ideally, you know, the, the, the audience is, is sitting in the, in the intended area, in the place where the producer, director, engineer, mixers um, were also sitting at one point in a different space. And you're hearing uh, what their vision of the, 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 the performance is, the, the, whether it's a movie or music or whatever. Um, with Spatial, we are creating sonic experiences that take place in a space, interior, exterior, could be either. Um, and we're not mixing, if you will, we're not creating an experience for a sweet spot. We are creating an experience that is different. It sounds different no matter where you are in that space. Um, and and we're creating them uh, with some really interesting new technology uh, that we can dig more into. But basically we're, we're creating, we're sonifying these spaces with a system that um, Gives you reality. It is immersive, um, and in my opinion, as important to all that, it also scales. It moves from space to space, so we can create, and we can I create here, sitting in my relatively small little room in my house, uh, still social distancing, of course, and I can create content here, and then publish it, take it into the office where we have a space that's I don't know four or five times this large. And the system scales my sound design, my spaces, my scenes, we call them. It can scale it up. Um, and it sounds really, really close to what I worked on here. Um, and, and so the system is really smart in that way. The renderer uh, knows where all the speakers are and I can take something in that space and bring it back to my smaller space. And it still sounds very close to what you heard in the other space and, and I think that's what separates us that's that's one of the main features that I find really fun and, and exciting and I enjoy working in it
1: let's dive a little bit deeper into this can you describe the workflow from start to finish for the entire pipeline
4: sure um, so as Bjorn was talking about earlier I think he was saying how you know with wise or any kind of interactive audio engine any kind of game project Really, you, you kind of work backwards in that you have to know what your system is capable of. You have to know what your tools are, um, how, how your, your system is, you know, what, what the capabilities are. And then you you take that, those facts, those, those guardrails, and you create content for that. And in a similar way, uh, that's how I approach a spatial scene. Let's just say, I don't know, we've done lots and lots of them now, dozens, if will at um, least but um, let's say it's an underwater scene uh, some kind of fantastic underwater scene with bubbles and water churns and distant whales singing etc um, you would approach a scene like that or i would approach a scene knowing that spatial in this in the, the tool called studio let me back up studio is the composing the authoring tool and it works on mac os although we can um, uh, the renderer is also works on linux but um, works on Mac OS. And that is, it's like a 3D, um, it's almost like a development environment like Unity or Unreal in that you have a, what we call the canvas. You can bring objects on into that canvas and those objects have sounds. Um, and you can size them. You can make them point source, zero, 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 or you can make them huge so that it takes up every speaker it comes out of every speaker in the space. Um, but as far as where, how do you start? You you basically work backwards, um, just like anything else. So I know that um, I don't know. I want to create an ambience. I want to create a, a let's say a quad or a, or a six channel ambience of some kind. I will create that. Uh, in my case, create that content in Pro Tools, uh, whether I'm start with some kind of ambisonic recording or whether I start with. I don't know, some stuff I found in the library or something I, I generate on my own. Um, but I will think, okay, I'm going to start with some kind of quad ambience, something that's hopefully interesting and has some movement in it. Um, and I'll create that ambience so that it loops seamlessly. And that is created with the plan that it's going to come over onto my MacBook Pro, my, uh, my spatial machine, and I'm going to create four objects. Um, and I'm going to create that ambience and basically size those objects. So I don't know. Maybe I have two ambiences, Maybe one's down on the floor or uh, from the floor to the mid-range, and maybe I have another quad ambience that I create uh, up top. Um, and I can size those so that basically one one channel um, takes up say a quarter of the room. Um, and by when I mean that is what I mean by that is that that quarter of the room that one channel of the ambience will come out whatever speakers the box, the three-dimensional box in the three-dimensional uh, world in the canvas um, touches. Basically, any, any speaker that's within that box, uh, the sound will come out of that. Um, so I would create this ambience to start, for example, and then let's say, oh, I, I know there's an element, maybe some kind of bubbles, some random bubble elements. So again, I create, in my case, I have two separate systems. I create that on my content system. I bring, let's say, a dozen of these little bubble files. They could be mono, they could be stereo, and I bring them over with, again, with the goal of bringing them into an object. And then within that object, there's a, a component called a sound set. And a sound set is very much like, or can be very much like, a random container. You mentioned Wise earlier. Mm-hmm. It can be very much like some kind of interactive, you know, game audio middleware, where you say, "Here's a bucket of sounds. Um, every time that Bucket is triggered by a play event. Pick a different, pick a different sound. Um, randomly grab them. Don't ever play the same one twice, and cycle through all of them, um, so that you know it, it's it's a random uh, element. And then on top of that, on top of that, I can take uh, uh, an object and I can author a motion path, basically automation, panning, uh, automate panning. And then you can do things like start delays. You can say when this. First event fires, or when the first when the object becomes active, go between somewhere between five and ten seconds before you start playing one of the sounds, and then loop it. But wait somewhere between five to fifteen seconds before you play another one, and so that plus putting it on a motion path that has also has some randomness or can basically just goes in big circles with that random start delay, with the random picking of Uh, of the sound files and with the random loop delays, that element becomes kind of organic. It becomes a truly random um, element that then if you do it, that same technique over and over again with different elements, you start to quickly create this random fabric, um, a sonic fabric, I like to call it. Um, And it very quickly kind of takes on a life of its own because again, there is, there's no, uh, it's random that the dice is rolling and you never hear the same thing twice. So I hope that answers the question. Basically, just like everything else, you start by knowing what the, what the features are, what the tools you have, what you can and can't do on the, on the implementation side. And then you create content that's designed to work within those, those features and those, those boundaries.
3: Thank you again so much for being here today. Um, I I was excited to speak with you um, because I've actually gotten the chance to play with spatial a little bit um, and have been uh, excited about, you know, how I do feel like there are some, you know, differences than other technological solutions that are being uh, um, introduced currently today. and. Yeah, I think one of the things I have been impressed with is the, you know, the 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 spatial element of spatial, um, the spatialization um, and how it sounds. I, I, you know, there are other technologies that I think are allowing you know you to scale between different size systems. However, um, you know, using either like Ambisonics or VBAP. and I do think that the actual sonic quality, um, I found very impressive of the spatialization. That's good.
4: Good to hear. Um, okay. I agree. I agree. Yeah. yeah.
3: And <laughs> yeah. And I guess, so you're coming from, uh, uh, you, you, worked at EA for a while. Had you used many, um, spatialization, other spatialization and immersive audio tool sets before working with spatial?
4: Uh, well, certainly, you know, things in the, in the game business, right? I mean, uh, it, you know, we, we, whether it's whatever type of middleware, at Sony, we, we typically used our proprietary uh, middleware tool based, uh, tool called Scream. Um, and so when you say spatialization, yes, I mean the PlayStation you know, output, I think its default output was 7.1 format and uh, you know, the audio engine would, would pan things around up and down, et cetera. Whether that's spatial, I, it, not in the way that I'm thinking about spatial now. Um, you know, long ago, when I first got in the game business, uh, you know, we were still using Dolby Pro Logic. You know, the the analog, uh, you know, mono surround uh, encoding process. Uh, uh, we did that just for our for our linear pieces, our our little in-game cinematics. Um, but then, at some point, we when the PlayStation Two hit, we started using um, real-time Dolby Pro Logic two encoding so that actual gameplay elements could, could be behind you. Um, and then at some point, uh, I'm going off, I'm geeking out now, I do remember that the EA Canada technology folks, they actually used real-time DTS encoding, if you remember. I guess DTS is still around. Um, they used real-time DTS encoding, a 4.0 uh, DTS encode, if I remember right. And that was way back on the PlayStation 2. But anyway, um, I don't know if that answers your question. But yeah, I mean, we tried to be as as immersive uh, with audio in the game business as, as we could, using all the the tools that most people know about, um, and that was good. And and I think we, you know, the goal was to was to create an environment where your customer, the player, was completely engaged and absolutely forgot about the fact that they were sitting in their, in their bedroom or their living room and they were, they were in that game world. And, and I think the immersive audio, uh, the surround sound uh, really helped that. Now it's spatial, um, different technology, obviously different system. We're not doing interactive audio like you would in a game, of course, but we are interactive. Uh, the system um, can take inputs, the system can send outputs. Um, and so, yeah, we can trigger sounds based on uh, on inputs from sensors. Uh, we can trigger sounds based on time of day, um, lots of things. This is very different than what we what I did in the game business, but it also is similar in many ways.
3: Yeah, I think that that's one thing that I found interesting with spatial is very much how um, it it, re- it really does feel like it comes from more of that gaming world or kind of the interactivity like element in the sense of being able to code interactivity within it um, and it's not working in that linear fashion as you were kind of talking about you know breaking out of the linear um, thought in kind of audio production just in general um, and I for me that, that's something that I found very exciting about it so I guess yeah what, what kind of um, what kind of projects have you been working on and how have you been using the technology um, in your work?
4: We've been working on a lot of interesting what we're, well, put it in biz dev terms, you know, in verticals, different verticals, which um, basically we're just using, you know, looking at different, different types of customers and, and different types of applications. Um, it's interesting. We, uh, we have uh, customers who have residential um, situations, a large estate. Uh, we have customers that are in the health and wellness business. Uh, we have customers that are in the museum, you know, the installation, uh, location-based entertainment business. Um, and I have been supporting me, uh, myself, and, and the team, the, the, the small team we have here. Uh, G- uh, Jim Diaz, Kristen Miltner, uh, Glennis McNamara are on the team. And we've been supporting all of those by um, sometimes creating content or a lot of times creating content um, for customers who don't have any other, um, for customers who want custom custom stuff, uh, bespoke uh, content, we've been working on that. Um, we also are working with outside creators, um, people like yourself who uh, want to get set up, they want to have a deployment uh, set up there and in their workspace so that they can create content as well. So for me, um, some of the most exciting things we've been doing, like I said, one, we have a customer up in uh, Marin County, not far from here. Um, there's an outdoor space uh, in a redwood grove. I think it's about three quarters of an acre. And that system has 120 something speakers uh, across it. And it's, it's obviously outdoor. There are speakers that are 90 feet up in the redwood trees and the content that was created, uh, there's various things. There's, there's uh, redwood forest that would make sense. There's jungle, jungle day, jungle night. Um, and then what's really amazing to me is we went up there and we played some of these other scenes that were never intended to be outdoors, things like this fantasy underwater scene that I talked about, things like something we call aviary, where it's just this kind of fabric of like you're in, a, you're in a, 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 an aviary or, or there's just thousands and thousands of birds around you. Um, and then some sci-fi things, kind of like a space, uh, space ambient scene. And damned if it didn't work out there in the in the redwoods, and it just was it was surprising how if you close your eyes, you're standing in the redwoods and there are actually real birds around, but um, you know you hear the whale coming through the redwood trees, and it was it was never intended for that application or that environment, but it completely worked. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, that's one. Another thing we've been doing is um, we've been helping out uh, the healthcare business. So we have a client. Um, out in Georgia, uh, they have a number of hospitals and what we're doing is we're creating, or we're helping create these wellness rooms, basically rooms where people, uh, first responders, it's not for necessarily for patients. It's for doctors, nurses, basically, uh, employees in the hospital. And it's just a place to go chill out. Uh, obviously, especially the last couple of years, the healthcare industry has gone through a lot and the frontline workers need a break. And so the company, the Wellstar Group, has created these rooms where people can just go in and and chill. Uh, The lighting is nice. It's got a spatial sound system in there. I think there's a massage chair in some of them. And we've created scenes um, that are hopefully relaxing. Uh, The aviary, the bird scene is one. Uh, We've got beach scenes. We've got... The underwater scenes. We've got uh, something like a like a waterfall scene. You're in the, the imagine you'd be in like a meadow and, a, and and you're standing next to a waterfall. And we are playing these scenes, and on their own, they are very relaxing. But if the if the patient or the the client wants to, they can also trigger um, what we call ABS auditory beat stimulation content. Um, and you may be familiar with that. Um, the uh, data shows that uh, some of these um, some of these tones can help people with anxiety, or they can make them feel less burned out, or make them f- you know uh, physically feel better. And so, if they want, they can turn these sounds on too. So, those are those have been some pretty interesting um, interesting clients as well.
3: Yeah, it sounds like uh, Spatial is doing a lot of really interesting uh, work currently. Um, and I guess, uh, w- what about the future? Kind of what what are uh, some of the future uh, ideas for spatial and um, where 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 are you guys hoping to
4: go? Well, where we're hoping to go is to break into even you know and support even more more verticals. Uh, for example, uh, office office space, the the workplace. Um, I feel we feel that the workplace, uh, whether that's an office environment or possibly retail, we think that so many of those spaces can. Could be better spaces. They could be more creative. They can be more productive. They can just be more more you know enjoyable to be in, with some with some thought uh, towards towards the audio. So we are working. We're having some really interesting collaborations. We're working with a group out of New York called Made Music Studio, um, and they are experts in creating um, sonic environments. They know how to do that. They also create uh, you know sonic branding, and we're partnering up with uh, with MMS. Um, to create a suite of office uh, workplace uh, scenes, workplace environments, uh, sonic environments. Um, and that involves you know, biophilia, it involves nature sounds, but it also involves uh, really interesting, good compositions, uh, music compositions from their, their people, their internal people, and their, their outside uh, collaborators. So we're really excited about those kinds of environments as well.
2: You used to work in games. What's your like from a production perspective, is there a difference in the way that you approach a project? I mean, sure, in games you're often very stressed towards end of production because production changes as you go. But is there any any similarities or something that you wish you can take could take from your current position and take over to if you were to work in games or the other vice versa? Also from from like when you're creating sounds as we as we briefly mentioned in the beginning of the of the talk here and also as you mentioned yourself that that you kind of work backwards and sometimes you need to know your technology and then start working from there and the more experience you get the more you can literally sit down and then think about oh I know that I will have uh, this feature later in the process and it will behave in a certain way making it a lot easier to beforehand in the experienced mind Design a system or design sounds that you know will behave in a certain way later in the process. Do you, when you work now, do you then have tools that sort of behaves in the same way that that enables you to produce sounds in the same way, or something that you could, if you were to go back to games, really? Consider as an advantage to know.
4: You're you're correct in that the the tool set you have to just as I said before you you have to know the tool set you have to know what your your technological you know limitations and, and features are so you can build content for that. Um, what I really like about the system, the spatial system, and working in it is how it can quickly, very quickly, create these these sonic fabrics, as I like to say, these environments, uh, scenes that. Just to take on a life of their own. Um, it's it's amazing. It doesn't take too long to create content and to implement it. Um, it doesn't take long before you can start to play that scene. And I can sit here and I can just listen to it. I can just let it play on its own for a couple of minutes. And what's really amazing to me is that you never hear a loop. It it never repeats. And and you can, like I said, very quickly, and I'm talking like, you know, three or four hours, you can have a, you can, you can create content and you can implement it. In such a way that you can start to listen to that, and you never hear loops, you never hear patterns. As you know, that, that's you know one of the one of the things that the human brain uh, does really, really well is is sonically we pick up on patterns. And from coming from the game business, of course, that was that was the goal, or that was one of the the, the major you know errors that no one could make. I never want to, I never, if possible, I never want to hear that same sound twice. I never want to recognize that same sound twice. Um, uh, and and that was the classic problem of you know and that's why we use granular granular sound design to hopefully make that event you know uh, never never be heard in the same way twice using the randomness and change in pitch volume etc. Um, and in in spatial it's really easy to do the same thing. Uh, you can like I said very quickly create a say a space that can be listened to for for almost forever. Uh, most of our clients, they will tell us that some of these scenes, they turn it on in the morning, whether they're at home or whether they're in the office or they're someplace else, they turn on like a forest scene in the morning and they let it play. Um, and it's because it doesn't get repetitive. It just basically, it's there all the time. It ebbs and flows, you can, you can add in, um, uh, Variability—you can add in randomness or what we call entropy—and um, and it just moves; it becomes its own little own sonic organism. And and I I really enjoy that. And if I I can remember specifically a few spaces um, back in the game business where, depending on the gameplay, uh, if you were going to hang out in that space a lot, um, I, I would have loved to have had some of the the tools that I have with spatial back in back in the game business, whether I was using I don't know wise or or Fmod or, or Sony's Scream Tool. Um, in a lot of ways, the Spatial Tools uh, create those kind of uh, those, infinite, those infinite listening spaces. It, it, they do it really well. The spatial does it really well. Uh, there is one interesting project that we're working on right now. In fact, working on it is an understatement. It is pretty much taking up my my entire life at the moment. I can't, I can't be too specific, but um, we are creating a a lot of content. We are creating a, a, let's say, a 15, approximately 15-minute demo demo experience for a a large event that's going to take place in a few months in the, uh, let's say, in the southwest of the United States. Um, And it's going to be really fun. We're basically creating um, a flow, an interactive flow of different environments. Let's say we would, maybe we'd start in a uh, in a very relaxing environment, and we have a we have a an MC if you will who's talking through it to a group of I don't know a handful of, of guests in a space um, that has spatial uh, spatial speakers probably I think it's going to be like a 28 channel a 28 speaker setup, um, and the goal is to basically have these scenes play infinitely, and then the the MC our moderator can on the control app. Um, which is which is an iPhone or an iOS uh, piece of software. Basically, they, the the person can say, "Okay, let's move to the next scene," and the scene will transition. It will crossfade between one scene and another scene in real time. And again, this is not these are not linear scenes. These are these these organic. Uh, scenes that are basically playing on their own with all this randomness built into it and then you can hit the button and we have the, the software will trade will crossfade between one scene and bring in another scene. Um, we're also doing things within the scenes where you can push a button and an event can play. So say, for example, we transition from, I don't know, the, a, a nice ambient, you know, relaxing place to a different relaxing place and then maybe we transition to um, a, an artificially uh Unhappy or or un uh, not not nice place uh, a a crappy sounding place like a like a hospital environment or possibly a a, a retail environment um, and within that space we can even amplify that that the the fact that it's not really nice in there by pushing a button and playing some additional events maybe maybe the event would be a a, a car horn playing playing outside the the door or something like that um, so. It's really exciting. We're going to continue to, or, or continuing to work on it and uh, and, and basically show the, show the tech and how we can, the beauty of it is that there is, it's not on a script. It's not like a time-coded uh, linear demo piece. It's basically you can stay in each scene, in each segment, uh, as long as you want. You can be interactive within those segments. Uh, you could also do things like, instead of pushing the button, we'll have sensors and you can wave your hand And the system will detect that and trigger an event. So that's one of the um, one of the really exciting uh, things we're working on right now. Um, And we're going to do more uh, more trade shows, more more events in in this next year, the twenty second or twenty twenty two, assuming that uh, assuming that health health guidelines let us. But um, yeah, that's one of the inspiring and uh, fun things we're working on right now.
3: And so. I know that uh, Spatial currently, um, it's not a product that you can just buy, um, but are there ways uh, that people can get involved with Spatial?
4: Absolutely. Yeah, so you can go to the Spatial website uh, right now, which is www.spatialinc.com, and you can sign up. You can become an early adopter. You can send an email, and you can basically get the software for free um we help you get set up three elements make up make up the system uh, one is the authoring system or the com- compositional system using the, the tool called studio and that's what I described earlier which is a, a 3d environment uh, again very much like um, working in unreal or in unity where you can click on an object you can have your mouse you can right click and hold down a, co- a modifier key and you can you can move around the, move the camera in the world it's Really fun to work in and, and as, as with working in some of those other tools, it doesn't take long for the, the muscle memory in your brain to, to, to uh, kick in and now you're just flying through the world and you're zooming in and zooming out. It's really fun. That's the composition tool. You create scenes, you then save them and they get pushed in real time to, um, to the renderer. Uh, and the renderer is the part of the system that knows where all the speakers are. And that's how we do such a good job at uh, taking scenes that were created in one environment and scaling them and making them work in a different environment, so completely different room size, completely different speaker layout, uh, completely different number of speakers, and the system does a really, really good job at uh, at modifying it, at, at scaling the scene that I created in my little 13-channel space here and basically a 10 by 12 room. And I, it scales that to whatever environment um, we pretty much want to put it in. And that's because the system knows exactly where the speakers are down to the the inch or the centimeter, really. Um, that's, the, that's the rendering part of the system. And then one other system is the control part of the system. And that is an iOS application. It can run on a phone or, or an iPad. And that's where you would go through and you would say, uh, I want to play this scene right now or I want to play that scene right now. And then once you're in that scene, you can say, oh, look, there's an event. Uh, there's a, a a car race. There's an event. You're at a a racetrack, and uh, you've got the you can hear the crowd and the distant PA. And what happens? Oh, I can hit a button, and I can have a an indie car come screaming through the through your living room or your your space. So, and
3: so are are there specific things people need um, to be able to get started with it?
4: Well, this, like I said, the software the software is free. Um, we typically will the the studio the composition tool. It's all Mac based. I'm working on a MacBook Pro. I, lots of people work on an, on a uh, an iMac. Uh, the renderer uh, it can work on Raspberry Pis, but most of the scenarios or most of the the installations that we set up, the render is using a Mac Mini. Usually, and it's really powerful and, and efficient. Um, a lot of times we're getting refurbed Mac Minis. Uh, they don't have to be you know the the top of the line. For eight nine hundred dollars, the Mac Mini. Uh, you know, get a refurb and it works really well. That connects up to a some kind of digital to analog uh, converter. Basically, uh, AES67 uh, comes out of the back of the renderer, goes into the DAC, and then that DAC feeds whatever speaker system you want. We really are you know, hardware speaker agnostic. Um, whether you want to use your own powered speakers, whether you want to uh, go to an amp and use passive speakers, it's really up to you. We don't really care what the what the speaker system is as long as we know how many there are and where they are. Um, so uh, that's how people could get, get signed up. You can go to the spatiallink.com website. Uh, the software is free. And um, then we provide support to get you set up on your deployment as well.
3: Awesome. Is there any um, specific call to the community that you want to send out?
4: I would say to the spatial, to the interactive immersive audio community, uh, take a look at it, check it out. If you get a chance to to hear it, uh, we're getting more and more deployments, more and more partners and collaborators all over the world. Um, I would encourage you to come check it out. Uh, We're rebuilding the, uh, the headquarters in Emeryville in the San Francisco Bay area right now. We have an office in Scottsdale, Arizona. We've got some uh, demo spaces down in the Los Angeles area now, and we are quickly uh, gonna be moving into various places in Europe as well. I guess my message would be, come check it out, go to the website first um, and start to investigate it because it's a lot of fun to work in. As I said, it's scalable. Uh, You can, in most situations, you can create the content, create your scene, get happy with it, love it um, in one space and take it to a different space. And it usually just works. Uh, to, be, to be honest, if you take it to a space that is very, very different, let's say, I don't know, let's say I created in my space here, which is more of a, of a shoebox space, and I take it to a, a very different space. Let's say it's a an installation that's a, a T-shaped room or an L-shaped room. In that kind of situation, yeah, you're probably going to go on site, and you might want to tweak things. You might want to move things here or move things there because that is a, a very different space. But in most t- cases, if you're going from from one space to another space, it just works. Um, so I would say it's it's fun once you start working with it. It's it's a lot of fun, and as I said earlier, um, it doesn't take long. Uh, you know, a few hours of of your of your time including content creation before you can quickly hit play and listen to it and go, go out and get a beverage and come back and listen to it some more. And, and pretty soon you go, wow, I, I don't hear any loops. I don't hear any, I don't hear any, any repeating sounds. It, I would say, give it a try. could um, become part of the, the spatial team
1: if possible. Amazing. Ken, can you share one piece of advice that really helped you in your career?
4: Oh, wow. Great question. Um, I'm going to go way back now uh, to my time in the music business, and this may seem a little uh, uh, a little out there, but my my advice would be to, as an audio professional, uh, we we usually have clients, right? Whether that that uh, an internal client, it's your your producer, or it's really a, a band that's in your studio or whatever. I guess my my piece of advice would be to always try to put yourself, you know, in in their position, try to try to see what's going on, whether it's in the studio or at the event or, or in the office, wherever that is, try to put yourself in their shoes for a moment and, and create, you know, create an environment, whether that's you're creating a, a, a scene in spatial or you're, you're creating a vibe or, or a, a performance environment in a, in a studio, um, you know, Way back in the music business, um, worked with a lot. I was so lucky to work with a lot of really talented artists, producers, engineers, and uh, you know, some some people were some people were friendly, some people were were great, uh, and other people were not. And um, and I come to realize, you know, the people who were maybe a little bit on edge, it was because they were. They were under a lot of pressure. They weren't sure that they could be the star. They were not sure that they could actually pull off that incredible performance that everyone is, was expecting them to do on that particular day. And uh, I would try to just, in the little ways that I could, uh, make things easier for them. Make try to try to to change if it was changing the lighting or the headphone mix or or whatever you could do. Um, I tried to put myself in their in their situation and do things that were in my control to, to make them perform better, to make them feel better, to make them more relaxed. Um, and as an, as an audio professional, I feel like those, those opportunities come up over and over again. Uh, doesn't matter what part of the industry I'm in. There's, there's always situations where you could kind of go, okay, well, let's, let's see if how we can, how we can make this better from a, you know, from an audio perspective. Uh, maybe it's not, it's probably not the EQ that I choose or the, uh, the compressor that I, that I decide to use, um, it's more about what you say. It's more about uh, maybe the the environment that you create. It's more about the the feeling that you uh, that you provide to those collaborators, so your your
1: your colleagues that you're working with. Ken, thank you very much for taking part today and talking to us.
4: You're very welcome. It was enjoyable. Thanks, thanks for inviting me.
0: If you enjoy the podcast and would like to show your support, please consider becoming a Patreon. Not only are you supporting us, but you will also get special access to bonus content and much more. Find out more on our official Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash Immersive Audio Podcast. You've been listening to the Immersive Audio Podcast, hosted by Oliver Cadell, Bjorn Jacobson, and Monica Bowles. This episode was produced by Oliver Cadell and Emma Reese and included music by Rhythm Scott Got an idea for an episode or want to comment on something we've discussed recently? Drop us an email at podcast at 1618digital.com or find us on Twitter at iAudioPodcast. If you've enjoyed our show, head to our page on iTunes and leave us a review and rating. It really helps us out. Visit immersiveaudiopodcast.com to access show notes and other episodes and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening.
3: Looking for more audio-related podcasts to listen to? We're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance, featuring a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. Be sure to hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.